The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network, which can be found at cement.media. That's cement, C-E-M-E-N-T dot media. Welcome to episode number 173 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. In this episode, I'm talking with Renee Portielis II, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Epic Forensics and Engineering, about his journey of starting an engineering company, which is a really interesting story in itself, as the company came about because it broke away from a larger company for the reasons he's going to explain in the episode. But what's awesome about this episode is Renee talks about one theme that him and his fellow leaders at Epic are building their company around, which is something that a lot of companies don't do. And it's the reason that people want to work there. And I'm excited to share this episode with you. This is also an episode in our Civil Engineering Entrepreneurs series. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practices as a civil engineer but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book entitled Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. Now, before we jump into the interview here with Renee, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free. So I do ask you to support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode and specifically the Civil Engineering Entrepreneur Series, Big Time. Big Time is the industry-leading PSA software providing time tracking, billing, and project management for engineering firms with the goal of getting your business back to business. You can learn more about Big Time's PSA solution at bigtime.net. Big Time would also like to provide this tip to listeners about a company's Delegation processes. Delegation is something that's critical in growing a company. And the tip is as follows Delegating is the new multitasking. Focus your attention where it's needed and delegate the rest, not to be confused with offloading work onto others. Proper delegation is utilizing every resource on your team to their best ability, including you. I also want to take a minute to mention that we do offer people management training programs as well as project management training programs. And we're excited that our programs are growing. We're getting more and more companies that are enrolling engineering professionals in them. And we really continue to focus on improving them and making sure that the key with our training programs is they're not just transactional. You check a box and get a PDH. Yes, we offer PDHs and they're very flexible and virtual. However, We also focus on making sure that what you're learning in the class can transfer back to your job with your projects and with your clients. So to check out all of our training, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Again, that's engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. You can click the training tab there, or you can call us at 800-920-4007. That's 800-920-4007. And now I'd like to formally introduce our guest, For the episode today, Renee Portielis is the CEO of Epic Forensics and Engineering and Epicenter Laboratories. As a registered professional engineer and certified general contractor, Renee has over 20 years of experience in structural engineering and the construction industry. He has managed to build a forensics engineering firm that specializes in construction defect cases and remediation of deficient building systems. In short, if buildings have problems that can't be resolved, 
Renee's firm not only resolves them, but gives the client a financial means to get their building up and running again by using funds from legal cases. The firm's goal is to make property managers' lives as easy as possible when their building systems are not running smoothly. He's been the engineer of record for bridges, industrial buildings, bomb-proof buildings, large high-profile luxury condominiums, and is head of the structural diving team for marine structures along Florida's coastline. He also designs skateboard parks, and as a skateboarder himself, he can not only do the design of the park, but offer usability advice to his clients from the perspective of skate ability. So let's dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Renee Portielas. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome our guest onto the podcast for today. Renee, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thank you, Anthony. Pleasure to be here. So, Renee, I gave you a little bit of an intro, but kind of in your own words, tell our guests what you're doing on an epic on a day-to-day basis. Well, it's funny because this year I finally transitioned into what I really do on a day-to-day basis. Previously, I was running pretty much the entire business from ordering pens to desks for people to dealing with office furniture and performing underwater investigations. Actually, I really do still miss those. I've managed to replace myself in many aspects in the day-to-day. So now I can really truly focus on servicing the client and truly being there for the staff to enhance their work. For example, I can mentor every employee and guide them through all technical and procedural tasks. So the firm now, even though it still runs very effectively, I think the clients are feeling more of that personal touch because I have more time to really dedicate to that personal one-on-one instead of being all tied up day-to-day, you know, worrying about how the printer is running. Renee, take us back a little further then for a minute, back to kind of like the origin story of the company. Tell us how the company got started. So the company, first it started off at Kiz, Kimley Horn and Associates. And they're a thousands of employees, 87 or so, I forget how many offices they have now nationwide. I was part of their building forensics team of the structural team. I also designed bridges there for the structural group and did interstates and highways and mast arms and lighting. But then I ended up falling into the building forensics category. What happened, though, unfortunately, is there were some potential conflicts. Because they're a national company, some of the experts and the industry leaders that were in a lawsuit here in Florida, they were Kimley Horn's major clients in other states. So you can see there's a big potential conflict there. They decided to close that division. I decided to open it under Epic Forensics Engineering. And that's how it all got started. You're still going and going strong. And as you said, you're doing what a lot of business owners have to do when company starts to grow is kind of carefully take yourself out of some aspects of the business, staying involved in other aspects and making sure that what the intention was and the way that this company interacts with clients can still remain, even if it's not maybe you on every phone call, which is never an easy thing to do for sure. Before we get a little bit more into the building, the company side of things, talk a little bit about your family's history and contracting and how that can also be very valuable in what you're doing here. Like you said in some of your old podcasts, there's you know different aspects to engineering. There's the engineering part and there's a the construction part. And what I'm doing now is actually a third branch to that, which is the forensics part. And that kind of evaluates how the engineering, what goes wrong, 
And then in construction, what goes wrong? And when you get those two trains and crash them together, then what goes wrong sometimes becomes a little more involved. And that's the forensics engineering portion of it. My father had a construction company. I am still a general contractor for his construction company. He retired long ago. And he actually built mausoleums. So I was able to do, you know, those, this is a terrible joke, but condominiums for the dead is what he built. And then when I got into buildings, I started designing condominiums for the living. So that's an old family joke, even though now that I say it out loud, it's really not that funny, but it is still to us, to the family. But that's how you really become well-rounded by knowing the construction aspect and what can go wrong there, the engineering aspect and the deadlines that you're put on and the constraints, some, it could be some financial constraints. And then what happens when it gets built and the city gets involved, and then we have to do things on the fly to get things up and running again. And that's really where I see a lot of the issues come from. And that's where the forensics is really a well-rounded way of looking deeper into those two, engineering and the construction realm. For those listeners still that may be a little unclear as to what forensics are in engineering, is it, what do you say it's you in your investigation, like after a failure or something happens, how would you describe it to someone? Correct. So basically what happens is what we deal with is there's many different branches of forensics. What I personally do and what really our bread and butter here is when a condominium is built, the owner, the developer wants to transition it, you know, get away from it and build something else, which is great. In that process, it gets turned over to the association. The association then takes that and they're responsible now for repairing it and fixing it and moving forward. Just like if you, Anthony, you go out and get a new car, the dealer is the developer pretty much. Let's just call it that. And then he transitions it over to you and now you become the owner. Well, you want that when you receive that new car that is supposed to be a brand new car that the tires are inflated and you have a proper oil change and the windows work and the Bluetooth connects and all that great stuff is happening. The problem is, is because of the complex systems of a condominium, a lot of those things don't get initiated, if you would, and it causes construction defects. And you may move in to your beautiful penthouse unit and it rains and water comes right through the window and floods your unit and floods the unit below and the unit below and the unit below. So they call Epic Forensics Engineering. We come in, we do an entire evaluation. We're a full service discipline. So we do mechanical, electrical, plumbing, structural, windows, glass and glazing, everything about a building we do. We go in there and do a full, very detailed evaluation of the building and then come up with a list of deficiencies that the building has that should be remediated. So, for example, going back to the car thing, we would say your back tire is bald, your brakes don't work, your Bluetooth doesn't connect, your paint's fading here and fading there. And that was done because there was a defect in the factory or a defect in the installation of that product. I'm assuming your clients could be different, but in some respects, it sounds like it would be like the homeowners association. Is that accurate? Correct. No, that's great. I wanted to just ask Renee about that because we haven't covered forensics all that much on the podcast. So it's, it's good to get into something a little bit different here. So let's turn to the business side of things now. You know, obviously, this is part of our civil engineering entrepreneurs series. And you explained to us that you know this epic came from breaking off from a larger engineering company. You decided to go with that and take it and grow it. So let's talk about growing a business. 
I know a lot of things in the beginning of a company, you're just getting going. You want to get money coming in, start building the company. And you really start to think about things like a mission and vision for a company, which is becomes important as the company grows. Talk about what mission and vision means to you in terms of growing a company and how you utilize it at Epic. Our mission, vision, and growing a firm, it all boils down to it's engraved in our key values of operations. It all just boils down to passion. Our vision incorporates finding what really drives every single individual at, at Epic Forensics. So for example, we say, hey, what's your passion? And that question, you'd be surprised, a lot of people don't really know it yet. It is very common that an employee joins Epic's doing one thing, and then they transition into something totally different because that switching of roles is something that the firm matches to their passion, not the other way around. So each individual is passionate about what they do. If the individual flourishes because they're passionate about it, they will flourish, which causes their group to flourish. And then that snowball effect continues on to the entire firm. And the entire firm is now flourishing just because we found a passion for this individual. So if you think about it, our growth is directly connected to the passion of the individual. Finding that goal to us is key. This passion-based focus doesn't just have limits. It has no limits on growth. And I think that it makes our firm really stand out. I love that approach because for anyone out there that has to lead a team in any way, you know that when people are plugged in and they're passionate about what they're doing, they're usually much more productive, much happier. Things go much more smoothly. I think a lot of companies think of a mission and vision. They focus more on the company and not on the people that work there. And I know even at EMI here, we're always asking our team about what their goals are in their career and in their lives. And we try to help them with that. My philosophy has always been, if your company can't help the people that are working there kind of achieve their goals, then what are we doing here? I mean, that's can't just be focused on the company. You got to be focused on the people. So I really, really love that approach. And in terms of communicating that with your company, Renee, is that just like ongoing conversations that you have, it sounds like, with them? Oh my goodness, yes. Our employees here are constantly bombarded with our vision. You know, we state it from the interview process to multiple conversations on a personal level. It constantly comes up in conversation. And Anthony, I don't know, you can probably tell by now, but I'm a bit animated. So talking passionately about topics comes really natural to me. And that positivity gets really gets transitioned throughout everyone here at Epic Forensics. And everybody understands that because we ingrain it in them from the first day. Please find what you're good at. And we have actually a program here at Epic that you get to walk through every single discipline. It's a training program that I learned back long time ago when I used to work for the FDOT. They used to put engineers, new engineers, into a training program that allowed every engineer to go into different disciplines so that they would find what they're good at. I love that about the FDOT, and I brought that into Epic Forensics, and we've been very, very successful doing it here. I love that because I feel like that's always one of the things in civil engineering that's challenging is that there are so many sub-disciplines, so many different things you can do in the world of civil engineering. It's kind of like, how the hell can you expect a recent graduate to go out into their career and, and know that they want to be a structural engineer and just jump into that and then go with that for the rest of their career? And and 
was kind of from me because I started doing some structural work. wasn't crazy about it. Luckily, I worked for a multidisciplinary firm, so they let me then try some geotech. wasn't crazy about it. Then I found land development. I loved it, and I ended up sticking with that. But like, I didn't even really know what land development was after college, let alone like that I would figure that out. So I love the idea of a rotational program like that, which is awesome. So how big is the company right now, Renee? Oh, we're about 30 employees and we service clients all in Florida. We will service clients in Georgia and Texas as well. We have engineers scattered throughout Miami, Kendall, Fort Lauderdale, Jupiter, Orlando, Sarasota. I sit here in the West Palm Beach office. We cover South Florida pretty good. All right. So you're scaling up. You mentioned at the beginning of the show here that you know, you're know you starting to remove yourself in some areas in, in a good way, in a, in a way that the company can scale and grow. So what are some of the typical problems that you see in engineering firms when they're trying to scale? Since you're going through that process now, I'm sure you've seen some of these. It has to do with, in the industry, the work product, when they try to scale out really big, you know, they have one thing in mind. Win, 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 very large projects at all costs. And unfortunately, in this field, they end up undercutting. And in order to undercut the, all the competition, it really hurts them because their portfolio looks great right now. Wow, look at all these great projects that the industry, that this guy, XYZ, whatever, has in their portfolio. But if you actually look at the work product, it's washed out. And due to the undercut, because of the cost, they can't really spend the time to get into the details that are required for complex cases. And I'm speaking in both engineering design and in forensics work. The details are simply lost if you try to grow too fast. Due to this, settlements are not what they should be, and clients are paying for this at the long run. You got to understand that in order to grow, what do you need? You need constant hiring. However, if you hire too many young individuals at one time, those individuals, unfortunately, do not get the adequate training. You know, they don't get that roundabout training where they get to see every single discipline. They get to see all the different aspects of your firm and then be able to fit themselves into a certain role. And the problem with that is that those people are just simply not well-rounded engineers, and it really hurts their future. That's why, to me, it's so important that if you're with a firm that you see you're getting stuck into something that you don't really like or that there's issues with too much fast growth, not enough a mentorship, then that's really what you need to focus on to do what you really want to do and have passion for. And it happens so much, I can't even believe it. I hear it a lot when companies are growing because like you said, they want to win, 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 win more work. And then they go through the hiring process and they're taking on as many people as they can, but that, that doesn't allow them to grow productively. When you start to grow too fast, things can start to break. So kind of going in that direction, obviously you're talking a lot about people there. Let's talk about people and people development at Epic. How do you find, develop, retain people? What are some of the things you do to try to, you mentioned before that, you know, having well-rounded professionals is important. What is your strategy for that? How do you approach that at Epic? Those are trade secrets, buddy. I can't tell you any of that stuff. I am baffled on how good news travels in such a small industry. I mean, people hear how our office is set up and want to be a piece of it. It's crazy for me to say this out loud, but they really do come to us. Once they're here, they're masters of their destiny. You know, they determine what work they want to do. We simply provide a side-by-side mentorship to make that happen. We are extremely little to no staff turnover. You know, a lot of engineers in firms say, bring somebody in, we'll just train them to do X, Y, Z. Well, maybe that's not how 
that engineer is going to be able to progress. You need to come in and say, bring that person in. Let's have this period of establishment where they really get to feel out all the different aspects to the firm and then be able to come to us and tell us how the career can enhance. And then we are just there to make that happen. What I'm hearing from you, and I think what I've been hearing the whole time from you is, you know, you put a big emphasis on your people's passions, their goals, where they want to go in their career. You try to train them, of course, in the right skills they need, but you try to match those two together. To me, that would make sense that people would hear about you because I do think that, unfortunately for civil engineering professionals, that approach is still kind of in the minority in the industry, whereas, you know, sometimes you get forced down a path with a company there's already path set up for you and you don't have a lot of say in it and you don't necessarily get the right training. And so I could totally see why the word would spread about um, a culture like yours, because it's one for me dealing with a lot of engineering professionals and asking them about what they want in their careers. A lot of what you're explaining is, is what they want. And really from my perspective in building a company is find out what your team wants, what they need and support them. I mean, it happened to me as, as well. You know, when I came out of my master's program in structural engineering, I said, hey, I want to design bridges because structural guys design bridges. And that was my mindset. And I've always wanted to design bridges since I was a kid. I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to design bridges with Kimley Horner Associates. But then when I got that opportunity to do some buildings, I said, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that I would love the building forensics so much. And that's, I think, where that mind shift came from. And I said, I can't be the only guy thinking like this. So that's why we really embrace that here. Yeah. And hence the rotational program, like you said, that gives people the opportunity to try those different things, which is awesome. One last question for you, Renee, before we go into our hot seat segment here. I know there are civil engineers out there that are building businesses, building their own companies, just trying to take the path that you've taken. What advice would you give them just from your overall experience to date in growing Epic? What can you offer to them in the way of advice that really stood out for you in building the company that you, know, you wish someone would have maybe told you? A few years ago, Anthony, you posted a video about creating a career experience you love. Everybody's saying this, but do they actually act on it? The advice that I would give engineers trying to grow their company is be true to what you like to do. Don't just do it for the paycheck. To me, it doesn't get any simpler than that. And I agree with you too, that a lot of people say it and don't do it. So it's one of those things that that's why I was saying earlier, it's nice to hear someone in your position that can promote that to their staff and their team, because I think it's one of those things where engineers say, well, I would love to take that approach, but there's no way that my company would support me in that approach. You know, they want me to kind of fit into a certain manual that they have here, org chart that they have here. And it sounds like not doing that is a really good way to build a really good culture. All right, so we're going to take a pause here and we're going to come back in a minute and we're going to put Renee on the Civil Engineering Hot Seat. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, we're back with Renee Portielis, CEO of Epic Forensics and Engineering, and it is time to put Renee on the Civil Engineering Hot Seat. Renee, you ready? Yes, sir, I'm ready. All right, so first question for you. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning routine, lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that has contributed to your success? My ritual is to not have a ritual. Look, I try to do different things every day. This way I can see things from a different perspective. 
I always feel that if you get too deep in one particular way of doing things, it's very easy to start causing blinders to be installed. The world becomes very rosy because for you, that ritual, it's your ritual. It's perfect. But it may be hindering your out-of-the-box thinking because you're really not exposing yourself to different points of view every single day. I try to use this procedure through so many different aspects of my life. And let me tell you that if you try this a couple of times, it's very difficult to do because you really end up falling into that same rut. But if you can get yourself out of that, try it for just a few days, you're going to see how your whole day is just you're looking at it from a different perspective. All right. Next question here, Renee. What is one book that you might recommend to engineers or any book that you found to be helpful for you, maybe in your personal or professional development efforts? The Building Code, of course, along with any mechanics and materials textbook. Let's get a little crazy right now. So just bear with me on this one. Everything in life can be analyzed by one mechanics and material equation. Now, yes, I'm getting a little nerdy on that, but that is P over A plus or minus MC over I. What does that mean? It's how much loading can be placed on something before it collapses. Guys, it's not just for structures, but in life, how much can one person bear before they can no longer take it, including all exterior bending forces that cause one person to simply give up or just collapse? Having that equation in mind, it really keeps you determined to balance that equation so that you don't give up and don't get crushed or collapsed under any situation in life. And you can apply that to anything. I think the one thing that can catch up with anybody in your career and your life and building a business and in any endeavor is that stress factor. I mean, everyone's running a million different directions today. We dealt with this whole pandemic as of recently, which put a lot of stress on parents and professionals and, and business owners and everybody, quite frankly. And I think building whatever it is, habits, systems, anything that can help you in terms of reducing stress for you, your staff can be very valuable. In fact, it's one of the things we do here is I'm always thinking about as we build EMI, how can we build it in a way that it's never no stress, but lower stress to our staff? Because I think the last thing you want to do is say, hey, the company's doing great. We're making a lot of money, but everyone's working a million hours and no one's happy with at home or at work, right? So I really love that approach and I love, and it's great that it ties in as an engineering analogy kind of to business building, to life, and, and that's awesome. Two more to go here. Thinking back on some of your managers throughout your career, Renee, maybe you can picture your favorite manager or managers, and you don't need to name any names here, but what made this manager or these managers your favorite? Okay, so I'm going to take this in three separate levels. For client service and interaction, one of my managers, and to be honest, it wasn't even my manager. It was my colleague's manager that I kind of like wedged myself in there and made him my mentor, even though he was in a totally different discipline doing totally different field. But he would always tell me, and that was Dave Bart of Kimberly Hunter Associates. He would always say, well, do you like the decision that you're making? And he would always say, what's the real benefit here? You, the company's bottom line, or is it the client's best interest? Now, of course, the best decision is to be able to handle all three of those. But it really isn't hard if you focus on the decision that really makes you happy, you'll see the company's bottom line will come with you and the client will give you multiple in return. The second, I would say, would be like team building. And that would be my first manager that I ever had. And that would be my father, Rene Portielis. He would always say, build the perfect team and perfection will simply guide you through. And that's 100% true. You're surrounded by good people. 
Nothing comes out of a good relationship than good things. And if you look at actual production of things, I would say one of my biggest clients of all time, which I won't give you his name, but he really went out of his way to make sure that everything that I would deliver was perfect. And I would drastically change the way I was doing things on a day-by-day basis so that I would make his life easier. And you know, at the end of the day, making his life easier made my life so much easier. So I think, Anthony, those would be the three managers that really put a big impact on not just my performance, but my mindset as well. What we can take away from Renee's answer there is that you can learn a lot from the people that you look up to, that manage you, that are mentors for you. And it's all about what you take away from them and then how you apply it going forward. And, you know, Renee, you did a great job there and like kind of distilling those things down to a couple of real solid principles that you can act on as you move forward, as you build your company and probably affect other people there as well, which is great. I think that's also a good thing to think about from the flip side. Like when you're managing someone or you're a team leader or a company leader, what are you giving? to your team that they can build on, like Renee saying, he's going to build on for the rest of his career. He's taken this advice and he's continued to use it over and over and over. So I think that that's a great way to think about it. All right, Renee, I've got one final question here. We call it the civil engineering career elevator advice question. If you got into an elevator with an engineer, you had maybe 30, 40 seconds with him or her, and you had to give some career advice in that short period of time, what would that advice be? Make a decision and just move forward with it. No flipping and flopping. You know, if you're true to your coworkers, true to your decisions, no scheming and conniving. Be true with your team members. Be true with your leaders. Be a member of the team by moving the team forward and helping them, not by riding up the coattails on your team's achievements. You're a badass. Act like it and own it. Indecision can be definitely problematic in, in people's careers. And, you know, sometimes you got to go for it, make a decision, stick with it. And if it doesn't work out, I mean, a lot of times if it doesn't work out, and this is something that I took out of when I read the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, which was what's the worst thing that could happen? I mean, listen, you're going to get another shot. I mean, something else is going to happen. You're going to get another opportunity and you might not get to go back though and take that chance again. And so that's something definitely to think about. So once again, Renee Portielis, CEO of Epic Forensics and Engineering and Epicenter Laboratories. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks, Anthony. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Renee. He's a dynamic guy. I felt like I got really energized from that interview. He was really, really into it. And you, know, you could check out the video version on YouTube. He's really animated. He's got a, a really cool office setting in the background there. And really, I'm enjoying all of the episodes of the Civil Engineering Entrepreneur series. It's exciting to combine two things that I love personally, civil engineering and entrepreneurship. A lot of the stuff that Renee talked about is applicable to anyone growing as an engineering professional. Some of the advice that he gave about his mentors and his favorite managers, I mean, that is really, really valuable advice. So I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And just a reminder, if your firm is looking for people management training, project management training, business development training for your seller doers, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org, check out our training tab, or give us a call at 800-920-4007. We have programs that we run regularly, but we can also take some of our fundamental curriculums and customize them for your firm's needs so we could do them when you need them, how you need them delivered, and even tweak them to speak your company language. Again, that's 800-920-4007.
And remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 173, and there you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. The Civil Engineering Podcast is published by the Engineering Management Institute and is part of EMI's Civil Engineering Media and Entertainment Network. The opinions on the show are those of the hosts and guests, not their employers. For information on EMI's people and project management skills training programs for civil engineering professionals, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.